Welcome to the WLU AMC Podcasts. We are your hosts, Luke Jenkins and Megan Harden, and the show is engineered and edited by Matt Cable. The Laurier AMC, formerly known as the Laurier CIA, is an organization that facilitates events, socials, and composition opportunities for student composers, songwriters, and improvisers, and anyone else that creates new music at the Faculty of Music at Laurier. For more information, check out laurieramc.weebly.com or on our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. In this podcast, we'll be talking to the music creators of Laurier about their music careers and anything else that comes up. Well, welcome to the second episode of the AMC podcast. Um, this week we have Emmett, or I guess this month, we have Emmett Glancy on the show. And Emmett, we're going to let you introduce yourself. All right. I'm, uh, I'm Emmett Glancy. I am a fourth year composition major here at Wilfrid Laurier University, and uh, I also play the bass. I don't know what else to say about myself. Um, and what was your musical life like before you were at Laurier? Well, I guess, uh, like, my dad started playing music while I was, while I was around, like, as a baby, and the first song I ever remember, like, knowing is Free Fallen by Tom Petty, <laughs> like, yeah, that's just, I just, rem- it's just like one of my first musical memories is just hearing that song. Or, uh, By the Way, by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, that was another <laughs> big one. Um, and then, like, I don't know, my mom started, te- like, not teaching me, my mom started me on violin lessons when I was five, and then I just kind of kept going, uh, picked up guitar and bass in, like, grade seven, and then... I don't know, went to Laurier to do the music thing. I, so, I'm from Oakville, and I was doing theory lessons with, like, a group, and some people were in, like, the, what was it, like, Mississauga Symphony, or Youth oh, Symphony, Oh, was it Halton Mississauga yeah, Youth Orchestra? One. And people were like, were like, oh, there's this guy, he, like, composed this thing <laughs> that we're doing, and I was no. just like, okay, and then no they, way. And then I didn't, like, think anything of it, because I was just, I wasn't in the orchestra. Yeah. And I found out later that it was you, and then yeah. I came to Laurier, and I'm like, this guy goes to Laurier. But, <laughs> so, that's oh, how I, I know I had no idea you. that was gonna, that was gonna come around. That's hilarious. That was grade 10. Uh, I just started composing, doing, um, like, as an outlet for music theory, uh, just because I was taking private theory lessons, and I was learning all this stuff, and I didn't know what to do with it so I kind of just started writing things it was all basic like chord progressions and stuff and we were doing like a Pirates of the Caribbean medley in my school's concert band and I was playing percussion it was on I was rocking that kit and I was and and the drum part was so dope <laughs> and it's just this it's just this super cheesy like Tom triplet feel like six eight vibe and and I was like oh I just and it's all like it's Hans Zimmer D minor I swear to God, everything he does is in D minor, <laughs> and um, and we're and we're pl- and we're playing it, and um, and I'm thinking, oh, I want to I want to write something like this, so I just go. I I went and I downloaded Muse Score, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna write like a twelve eight thing in D minor that kind of sounds like Pirates of the Caribbean. So I did it, and then I showed it to Colin Clark, who was the conductor of that orchestra and still is actually i go back there all the time and i help out and i play bass with the orchestra to like augment the bass section and like be an ambassador of like hey look 
you can go through this orchestra and come out the other side kind of thing. So, but like, uh, I showed him the piece and he was like, okay, you want to play it on the next concert? <laughs> All right. I had no idea that other people were going to find out, one, that it exists, and two, that it was me that wrote it. That's hysterical. Yeah. My, like, because, um, do you know, oh, what's, I can't pronounce her last name, but it's, like, Beata is the yeah. mom. And she has, like, it's, like, Michael and, like, all the yeah, four kids. Yeah, yeah. So she was my theory teacher. Oh. And then someone that was in the orchestra, um, I don't remember her name, but she was talking about it. And then Beata started talking about it. And then, so then, yeah, and then they, like, showed it to me. Like, because it was, like, a group theory thing. And then, yeah, did you, like, write anything else for that orchestra, or did you... No. (laughs) But, um, I am talking with them about writing some more stuff for them. Uh, I'm hopefully gonna finish, like, I haven't started doing anything yet, but we're still mostly talking about it. But I do want to write a more educational like because it's a youth orchestra so i can't i can't hit them with like that atonal <laughs> stuff yet because then they'll be because then it's kids right so they'll just think like oh i don't like i don't i hate this <laughs> like so so i want to write something tonal kind of easy but like challenging to play and kind and then give it to them hopefully like this summer or something did so you were talking about how like theory kind of like was your outlet for composition um back then like in i guess that was high school right yeah yeah. what other like musical things were you doing in high school uh other than pirates of the caribbean (laughs) (laughs) um i mean high school i arguably did more of a variety of things than i do now um just because laurier is so like focused and like you have your program and you kind of have to do it you've got your lessons and I don't really have a lot of time to experiment with other things but in high school I blew off classes and did music stuff instead um because I always knew that music was was my thing and like what I wanted to do as a career and uh go on to university for so like I didn't take any hard high school classes I just took like music classes and like if I went to try to apply to a different type of degree I wouldn't have any of the prerequisites for it (laughs) like I only have music stuff but because that I had a bit more free time and high school music stuff I played um I ended up slowly figuring out how to play like 14 different instruments and all of them are like string instruments because I can't do anything that requires air or (laughs) like embouchure (laughs) Um, but like I learned how to play a bunch of different string instruments and like kind of learned how to incorporate that into like songwriting. And, uh, I had a couple like punk bands and I had purple hair (laughs) and, uh, uh, yeah. And I did a lot of like punk music and, um, and like I, and I played in a few orchestras, played double bass and I took violin lessons and like, yeah, it was just a, and theory lessons and. I played in the concert band and the jazz band and the and I sang in the choir. Uh, just like, I just did everything I could related to music because at school there was no, there wasn't a lot of music that wasn't like extracurricular. So I tried my best to just do as much music as possible. Now in Laurier, uh, I just 
it's all music all the time. So I don't have a, I don't feel a need to like branch out into other things because music's just bombarding me mm-hmm. every second already, which is a good thing. <laughs> I stress that. But yeah, I guess that's the answer to that question. <laughs> you don't feel like a, like starting a Laurier punk band or... Um, <laughs> oh, you know, I think the, uh, I think like two years ago, I saw a Facebook post from someone that went to Lor- that goes to Laurier saying like does anyone want to start a punk band and I immediately responded yes and then it never happened. Oh, it needs to happen. It should happen. Uh, so you're talking about like the change from like about Laurier, change of Laurier from like compared to high school. Yeah. Sentences are hard, but um <laughs> like what would you say your biggest learning experience was? about that or just about laurier in general from like biggest learning experience or just like university like like university music stuff oh it was kind of outside of the classroom uh it was it was more of just a being at university experience that i that i learned um it was that talking to people is super important (laughs) um i spent the first two years of my degree just going to class and then going home. I didn't really go up to parties or or anything like that. And then in third year, I started talking to people uh, and going up to parties. And whole wow, it just made everything so much more fun. <laughs> like, it was fun already because I was doing music, and that's basically all I've ever wanted to do. But now it was fun because I was, like, sharing it with other people and, like, making friends. Yeah. <laughs> and... And, like, talking to people, going to parties. And then from that, you, like, get more, like, connections in a in a dumb kind of, like, like oh, what's the word? Networking way? But, yeah. like, you're not networking. You're just making friends with yeah, people, you're right? Yeah, like at school. And then, like, and then, like from that, um, like, I made friends with a lot of, with a lot of brass players. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, like, Connor, Nick etc emerson oh my god um and then and then from that like nick uh just a couple months ago asked me to write him a piece and like it's like those connections but like also we're just friends and he just wanted me to write him something right but it's just i don't know it's it's a weird combination of like business and making friends yeah in and in the weirdest way but yeah like talking to people and like going out and being social and having a good time is almost more important than doing well in class in specifically a music program I think <laughs> yeah. because like you can get good at your instrument but like how like what does that mean if nobody knows who you are and yeah. doesn't want to hire you because they don't know who you are right yeah so there's like so many like string players or like pianists <laughs> that I've never seen don't hate on the string players no I'm not hating I'm just like saying like <laughs> I've never seen them ever so like when i see yeah. people in classes sometimes piano majors don't leave the house. Yeah, yeah i know two go, piano majors room. yeah <laughs> and so it's like like i don't know i like i feel like i know like every like wind and brass person but i like there's so many in like percussion but like i feel like there's so many people i never see in the school and so like when it comes time to like get a comp performed i'm like i like i know like two piano players and he's one of them <laughs> so it's like like you know like stuff like that i guess like getting to meet people and stuff um so what projects are you currently working on uh so i guess like i said i'm writing a piece for nick uh 
tuba, piano, mostly mostly tuba, just like with a little bit of piano accompaniment. Um, Is that going to be for his like grad recital? I guess I really I don't really know he he asked me to write it because he wanted to do a recital um and then I think he said that he wasn't I don't I don't want to say anything just because like I don't really know what his intentions are with the piece but he wants me to write him a piece I'll write him a piece like why not um and that's the only thing I'm working on right now but like earlier this year I did my grad piece which was a whole which is a whole thing it was a like an eight minute score um, for wind quintet, string quintet, and SATV singers, um, and then the idea that I haven't quite finished yet is I did a live recording session uh, where I recorded everyone playing it at once, and now I'm and now I just need to I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna multi track everybody. Uh, and get individual tracks and layer them like crazy to create almost like a synthetic orchestra vibe. Um, and then also um, use those multi-tracks and the live track as like a bass and and I can manipulate textures with them. And it, it turned into like a weird electroacoustic idea that I've never really experimented with before, which was not where I was expecting it to go, but it's where it took me. So I still need to finish that up, I guess. And, um, and then, like I said, I, I'm also, uh, working and talking with that youth orchestra about, uh, doing a piece for them. And, um, what was the other thing I wanted to do? Oh, I'm gonna write a, hopefully write a bass quartet for basses. <laughs> for <many> four bases, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, a bass quartet for six bases. <laughs> Very bold. <laughs> but, but yeah, everyone knows. <laughs> oh, jeez. For like double bass, electric bass. Uh, double bass. Um, and yeah, I guess, I guess you can call this a project, but it's not related to composition. I'm since I'm not a performance major I don't get a grad recital but I said I don't care I'm gonna do one anyway so like keep your keep your eyes open because around March 14th I'm <laughs> doing a grad recital I'm gonna play bass <laughs> are you gonna do any of your like your own stuff or is it like... uh that's what the bass quartet is gonna be for mm. but mostly I am just going to be playing um I kind of wanted to separate this year into the first semester was more dedicated to composing and this semester's semester is more dedicated to performing just because I really like doing both but I am not a performance major by any stretch of the mind uh I just like playing bass so I'd rather like play it as much as I could instead of like neglect it so I figured by setting a goal of doing a unofficial grad recital that I could uh like keep it up and practice more and stuff and so far it's working I'm preparing a lot of very very difficult bass music that is really hard to play but if you listen to it doesn't sound crazy which is the worst thing about this <laughs> instrument like like the most virtuosic bass music is like super easy cello music 
<laughs> like, like the Bach cello suites are like some of the hardest bass repertoire out there. I'm not even joking. Uh, according to to Ian, our like the bass teacher at Loria, he said that like he's only heard like one person play the sixth cello suite on bass, which is like a testament to how hard it is on bass. But like, yeah, the hardest bass music is really easy cello music, mm. uh, which just kind of puts into perspective the kind of music that I am going to be playing at this <laughs> recital. It's going to be, I'm going to be like playing as hard as I can and people are going to be like, that's it. Oh man. That's a little bit of, that was a little bit of a letdown, but you know, I'm going to have loads of fun. And if people don't come out, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> um, uh, so you're writing for all these different ensembles. Um, what would you say your writing process is? Oh, it's very um, intuitive. I am... I, I, I don't know if I can say this per certain, but I am like 98% sure that I am the slowest composer at Laurier. <laughs> I write one maybe two pieces a year it's it's almost pathetic like but like i want to make the excuse that like i put a lot of detail and thought into my work but like maybe i don't (laughs) i don't i don't know like um i'm yeah i'm just not very prolific i don't write a lot of music and i don't write it very fast um yeah i last year i wrote a choral piece and it took me the whole year and it was five minutes long. So like, that's a pretty good example of my really slow writing process. It's very intuitive. Uh, I load, like I, I put everything in Sibelius and I notate it out very, very nicely. I hope I try to make it as nice and as clear as possible. And then, and then I just let it sit there for a very long time. (laughs) And then I come back to it and I think, I'm going to add this note and like, that's it for another like week. <laughs> like there, the craziest thing happened. There was one week where I wrote like 30 bars and I, I was over the moon. I was so happy. I wrote 30 bars in one week and it was the best week ever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very like I'm very slow, very detail oriented. I want the, I write a lot of um, almost atonal, very, yeah, close to close to atonal music, I want to say. Every, everything has kind of a tonal center, um, but all of the harmonies are very, very, very clustery and don't, I hope, don't go where people expect them to go. Um, and because of that, I want to make sure that all the chords that I use are very precise. So I w- so I will spend like 10 minutes just looking at just looking at my computer at this like 10 note chord and be and then adjust one of the notes like a semitone and then play it back and be like okay, it's getting better. And then I and then I work on it more. So it is like it's a really slow methodical and kind of detail oriented process to like get 
the chords and the harmonies as perfect as I want them to be and get them and get the idea from my head onto the onto the page um so I guess because of that my music is very it like that it comes out very slowly so that's why I only write like one to two pieces a year like in second year I was the last my year was the last year that had the private comp lessons uh in second year before the group lesson thing started and uh, the requirement was that by the end of the year you had to have three pieces written and I just made it like I just got that third piece in I it was it was it was a tough one uh like I wrote I wrote the first piece took me the entire first semester (laughs) and then and then the second piece took me the entire second semester and like somewhere in the middle of the semester I started writing another piece and then by the end of the semester I was like oh god I need to finish this and I just banged it out as quickly as I could and it ended up being like not great but I had to get it done so that was the most I'd written in an entire year that was three pieces so like I guess my entire time at Laurier I have written six pieces or so I don't count first year comp because it's like once a week and yeah, yeah. and you're trying your best just to get them done. Yeah. So uh, like those don't count, but everything that I've done since then has been like a grand total of six. So yeah, in terms, yeah, my writing process is slow and painful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the product's like really good. Like, it's really detailed. I hope so. Like, <laughs> that, like, I like to think that the product is good, but, like, ultimately it's not really up to me to decide. I think it's up to whoever listens to it. So if you listen to it and you go, hey, that was that was a good piece, then that means I did a good job, I think. Um, but if you listen to it and go, man, that sounded like garbage, then I just put, like, six months into that. <laughs> for 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 like nothing (laughs) in a in a dark but hopefully not super dark way the only like i I remember hearing like the vocal piece last year oh yeah i was just like i was i was sitting like way too close to the stage that i like could only like hear like certain voices okay but i was just like like i couldn't like figure out like like it wasn't like it wasn't predictable and i was like this is super interesting because like while you're listening to it you're like i don't know where it's gonna go well that's good uh i actually have a i don't want to say better but better recording of that that i did um on my own um with Anne, my girlfriend and like we both just multi-tracked all the parts and and then I created like a soundscape with panning and and reverb and stuff like that, so so I've got that recording and I think that one sounds a lot better than the performance at the school, um, just because we didn't have a lot of rehearsal time. That's the other thing that I am really bad at is scheduling rehearsals. Like genuinely, it is it was not my forte like at all. It it'll like. I'd finish the piece and I'd be like, okay, I want to get this done on the next comp concert. I'll message everybody like a week before and we'll get like one <laughs> rehearsal in. <laughs> yeah. 
I find that to be like the hardest part about Gollum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you're talking about like atonal and like punk and stuff. Like, so like, what is your favorite like music to listen to, and or like what influences your writing? Right now. Yeah. Oh. That that is a hard question to answer. I've been listening to like. I guess two years ago, I just kind of stumbled down this road of, like, weird rap music. <laughs> and no one ever expects that from me. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, like I started I started off with, like, like the typical, like, like, Kendrick Lamar or whatever. And then you kind of get deeper. You get into, like, that Danny Brown. And then, and then further from that, there's this record label called Fake 4 Inc., based out of New Haven, Connecticut, tiny, tiny, uh, record label, but they just have some of the coolest and genre bending hip hop I've ever heard. And it's so cool. And in particular, there's this rapper Chesky and I'm giving him a huge shout out because <laughs> he has a very, very small fan base, a way bigger fan base than me. But he, but not a very big fan base, but like, man, anyone listening to this podcast, go look up Chesky, C-E-S-C-H-I. You will not be disappointed. It's this weird hybrid of like folk music and like gangster rap. He's like strumming a guitar and rapping about like prison. It's really cool. And, like, also he does, like, folk music, and he was raised through, like, the punk scene. Yeah. So so he gets, like, super political within his rap, and there's also acoustic guitar in it, and, like, sometimes he does jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, it's just some of the coolest music. So I've been listening, I've been all over that. He's got a new album coming out. I'm just... <laughs> April 4th, you heard it here first, <laughs> Chesky's new album, it's called Sad Fat Luck, you gotta listen to it. Live listening party in the bass studio. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be me and three other, three other people. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, he came He came to, he went and he did a show in Hamilton, but I was busy so I couldn't do it. And I was real sad, because I'm, I'm like a huge fan of this guy now, over like two years of just listening to his music. Basically, him uh, is what's influencing me right now. And then a lot of other artists on that entire record label, Fake Four. And then, like, I still listen to punk. Like, I can't stop. Uh, I started listening to punk and, like... The first album I ever bought with my own money was American Idiot. <laughs> and I was, like, six. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then And then from there, I just kind of listened to Green Day and then Blink and then... Got more into like Rise Against, and then, and then I got to like Rage Against the Machine, and yeah. then I just went down this this path of like super political punk music, and no, uh, well, I guess the first, um, like, well, the first song I ever remember hearing, like I said, was Free Fallen. But one of my earlier memories of music was. Uh, does anyone does anyone in this room know the '80s Canadian hair metal band Triumph? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that was. Metalworks. That was that was all over. I was Isn't all Metalworks, over that. Like Metalworks was like founded by like the guitar yeah, player Triumph. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, they all started that studio, and it was mostly Gilmore, the drummer, who who took it over, and he runs it now. Um, oh, what's the lead vocalist's name? Rick Emmett. Rick Emmett, yeah. He was at Blues Fest this year. Oh, really? Yeah, he's great. KW Blues Fest? Hmm? KW Blues Fest? Ah, yeah. uh, I didn't know that. I would have gone and seen him for like the seventh time. Uh, yeah, so huge fan of that guy when I was five because he had my name. And then I grew up and realized, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I grew up and realized, oh man, this guy's really good at the guitar. And he writes really good music and and then and i'm still i still listen to his music like constantly my dad owns his entire discography he also owns triumph's entire discography i just like stole all of his cds and like imported them onto my computer uh so now i just listen like whenever i feel like it i just throw on some rick emmett or throw on some triumph um, so what are your short-term or long-term career goals? Uh, short-term or long-term career goals? Uh, well, oh yeah, I applied to master's programs, so I guess that's, that's pretty short-term. Uh, if I get in, great. If I don't, great. Uh, I'm perfectly okay with either. Um, the, the whole thing that I'm really looking forward to is just something different. After doing four years of the same program, you kind of, you just kind of want to try something else, right? So I'm really excited to just either start at a different school and and do a master's and learn more weird theory stuff um, or to just like start working and have like a little bit of freedom again. <laughs> like because I've been thinking about it and like the amount of the amount of time that I spend either at school or working on school is way more than I would if I had like a nine to five job and just like, and then, and then you, you finish your job and you just go home. And now all of a sudden I just have this big stretch of time where I can do whatever I want. And now all of a sudden I'm like writing an album or I'm composing a whole bunch of composing a whole bunch of stuff. Like just the idea of having that freedom is super tempting to me to the point where like, if I get into a master's program, I might be like, no, I just want to start working. And then like, I don't know, shop my pieces out to people, ensembles, whatever, try to try to get some kind of uh, reputation going, make a name or whatever, try to build some kind of career in music doing literally whatever. Uh, like I said, I love composing. I also love performing. I'll play pit bands for the rest of my life. It's cool. So I'm hoping that because my mind is so open that that means I can develop a career, but also I see the limitations of like, because I want to do a little bit of everything, not specializing in something could be bad. <laughs> like I, I kind of see both ways, but I'm just excited for whatever comes next. That sounds cheesy as hell. <laughs> But that's that's about where I'm at. That's okay though. That's a good way to look at it. What um what programs did you apply to? Uh, I applied to, I only applied to two. I applied to U of T for a master's in composition, and I applied to Western for a master's in composition. Got my letter of rejection from U of T, so uh, looks like it's all on Western. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not heartbroken over it. I'm just excited for something new. So if Western comes back and is like, 
nah, we don't like you either. Then I'll be like, cool, I'll just start working. Like, so yeah, that's, that's the short term or long term goal thing. I guess the long term goal is to have a career where I can make money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good goal. So, um, what would you say has like made your like Laurie ex- experience unique that like you couldn't get at another school? Um, the fact that the program is so small and you know so many people and then at that point you know all the profs too to a to a degree um and then the fact that there are regularly scheduled student comp concerts where you can get your pieces played if you aren't like me and have and write more than one piece a year um and like i don't know there just seems to be a lot of opportunities and like the Kitchener Waterloo area is just so full of musicians, which is so cool mm-hmm. um, that there are like opportunities outside of school. And I don't know, like, obviously, like, I'm not an authority on this because I've only ever been to Laurier, but like, I don't imagine there are too many other programs that can really boast that and mean it. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't, I'd like, I don't know what the music scene in London is like, but I don't know if, if Western has the same like vibe as, as Laurier does like around town, like all just the, the different opportunities that we have, like KWMP or, um, the Yacht Club and, or Veracasa Opera, if you want to work with Dylan and, uh, um, yeah, just yeah, and then all the all the teachers are like super nice and super chill. Uh I don't know. Uh everything here has been just really cool. Uh I think Greg said on the last episode like nothing's cut like nobody's cutthroat and I've noticed that too. We're all just writing music and going to parties. <laughs> 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 At least that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I just like yeah, I, I slowly write a piece and while I'm writing that piece I go to parties and I play in orchestra I play in wind like I don't know and then the like I don't know how uh I don't know how unique it is but there just seems to be a lot of freedom here because they like two I guess last year they first enacted that rule of only 90 minutes of studio time per um, person at Laurier. So if you're in performance, you get hour and a half lessons on your instrument. If you're in comp, it's hour long comp lessons and 30 minutes on your instrument. But I just like, I, I didn't want to only take 30 minute lessons. So I like sent out an email and was like, hey, can I take hour long lessons too? Can I just, like, do hour-long lessons and hour-long comp lessons? And they said, yeah, sure. So, I don't know if I was allowed to say that. Um. <laughs> but, like, but <laughs> I'm, I'm getting two hours of studio time every week because I sent out an email and just asked about it. And, I don't know, I'm perfectly okay with how that worked out. Uh, yeah, everyone seems flexible. All, like, all you have to do is just ask someone. If you're not afraid to just send an email and be like, hey, can I, like, do this? most of the time they're gonna say yes at least in my experience people have been super accommodating so 
Um, do you have any of your own music you'd like to present? Well, the one, the one I've got two pieces that I think best represent my process, and one of them is the the piece I mentioned earlier, the the recording that I did with Anne on uh oh geez the recording i did with Anne um of my choral piece from last year um so i've got i've got that and i can and i've got um the uh, another the other recording i did last year well i didn't do this recording but it was the piece that i gave to jason and amanda for the for the music room concert last year uh so i've got that recording too and in the choral piece, it's super, super textural, super, um, it's, oh, I had a whole thing in my head about what I wanted to say about this piece. I'm going to start again. Um, <laughs> so the choral piece is, um, There is singing in it. Uh, no, well, it's it's a very textural piece. It starts off with a lot of whispered textures and a lot of back and forth between one half of the choir and the other half of the choir. Um, and since I recorded it multi-tracked, I just panned like whoever I like whoever I wanted, like whichever tracks I wanted to either side, um, to the left and the right, so that you can hear that back and forth really clearly if you listen to it with headphones and. Um, the, and it kind of builds into a little bit of singing. Everyone kind of comes in a little bit at a time until, until it gets into, um, 10 different parts, like a 10 part, uh, texture of people singing and big, huge cluster chords and, and everything. Um, and the idea of the entire piece was to experiment with silence and, and I'm not even saying that because that was the topic of uh, one of the one of the comp seminars this semester. It really was the idea of my piece was the difference between like huge walls of sound and tiny, tiny single voice textures and also complete silence. So I did a lot of um, thinking about it and how to get as close to silence as I could in a choral texture without actually having silence. And, uh, like what I did was I, I wrote, like I wrote in the score for like a single alto, just a single alto to hum the lowest possible, the lowest comfortable note in their range. So that all of a sudden you get like the whole choir singing and then it goes to just a single really quiet kind of faint pitch because it's hummed it's low in their voice so they can't really project it and I wrote it quietly intentionally and when you hear that difference it almost sounds like silence until they stop singing and it's actually silent and then you kind of hear that subtle difference and I think just working with that idea um was super interesting at least for me in my process um <clears throat> And then the text of the piece was actually from uh, that magazine. That has anyone seen the poetry magazine on campus? Blueprint. No. Yeah, that's usually the response. It's 
like if you're walking down that hallway between the between like oh geez the the dining hall and the concourse the one where like the door that leads out to the laz um and there's that newsstand yeah so in it there's the newspaper that i forget the name of and there's a magazine that's called blueprint and it's a poetry magazine and i don't know why i knew it was a poetry magazine but i did so one day i picked up the issue and i was like i'm just gonna go through and see if there's anything i can set to music uh and i didn't find anything and then i did that for the next couple issues and then i found a piece uh not a piece of poem that i really liked it was called the follow the fallen ones and i was like oh i could definitely set this to music like the whole every um stanza is that the right word i don't know poetry but like every group of text always started with like a shh or a hush or a like to represent silence um which is where the idea of my piece came from and so i thought like that would sound really good in a whispered texture uh this is a really cool poem so because it's all around the school i found um like i contacted blueprint and got the email address of the poet and sent her an email and said, Hey, I'm a comp student here at Laurier. Can I use your poem? Can I set it to music? And she was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. So, uh, so I did that. So the, so the muse, so the text is actually written by a poet who either still goes to Laurier or went to Laurier. I never actually met her. (laughs) I just sent her an email and and then and then when I finished the piece and did the recording, I sent her another email that said, "Hey, I finished it. Here's like if you want to see what the music looks like." And I also attached the MP3 and she liked it. She said it. She said it really suited her poem. So I think that's a win for me. So I'm happy with that. So there's that piece.
And then the other piece that I am going to send you an MP3 to is um, a piece called Developing, which was played on the the Music Room concert last year. And um, it basically just came around as uh, Linda just... I, I gave her this sheet of music that I'd written and I wrote it by hand because I wanted to write something by hand for once. And, and she was like, oh, this is really cool. You could do a lot with like this measure and this measure. And that's it. So I, so I was like, okay. Like I, I'll, I, I just deleted the rest of it. Deleted. I wrote it. <laughs> by hand but I deleted it <laughs> actually I did end up just putting it into Sibelius I never ended up finishing it by hand and and I just wrote everything based off of the themes that kind of developed in the uh first like three or four measures and they just kind of come back and uh and expanded on them a little bit more and yeah so if you like if you listen to the piece you can get a little bit of you can get a little bit of that vibe like you can hear the the opening and then how the rest of the piece kind of stems and comes from the the opening yeah what, what was the instrumentation for that uh that one was for flute and piano so it was uh on that concert it was Jason White and Amanda Lowry playing and they killed it they made my piece sound so good and like I don't know if I deserved it because it was my first time writing for flute and it was my first time writing for piano. <laughs> we went, I went into the first rehearsal cause they, they rehearsed the piece and they invited, um, and invi- they invited me to listen to it and they gave me so much feedback on my score. Like they kind of tore me apart, but in the best way, cause I learned from it and they just like, they just said like, Oh, if you want to, get this sound kind of write it like this this is the more standard way that we see it or this is the way I like to see it and oh I learned so much from that one rehearsal it was awesome and then and then they played it at the music room and they it was so good I loved it oh and the other important thing that I really need to mention uh about this piece is that the opening is um is b flat one or yeah b flat one on the piano just played over and over again crescendoing and decrescendoing for for like the I want to say like the first 10 seconds of it is just that and that was inspired by Greg (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even joking uh it was it was the first ice concert of last year when they did a piece that revolved around I guess the three pianists in the group just improvising one after the other I think I think that was the basic idea of that of that piece and Greg like sat down and he and he played and then and then he got to this one section where he's just hammering on B flat one for like I want to say it was like a minute and he just made it louder and louder and louder like he was holding down the the sustain pedal or the whatever the pedal's called uh <laughs> And and is just hammering out this B flat and it's just filling up the entire recital hall and it's like this one note on a piano and it was just like almost deafening and I loved it. So I immediately wrote it into a piece. 
So, Greg, if you're listening to this, actually, I think I drunkenly told you already, but like, if you're listening to this now, I'm saying this sober. The opening of this piece is dedicated to you. <laughs> I'll see you in post-tunnel on Thursday. <laughs> For um, people that do want to hear the entire like um, recording of these they're, pieces, they're both on my it? SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I want to promote that SoundCloud, <laughs> but I guess I guess I don't really have much of a choice. Well, they're either on my SoundCloud or my actual like website, both of which are super embarrassing. So like, pick 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 either one. The SoundCloud <laughs> is SoundCloud.com/slash/trappedbymusic, trapped by music all one word well it's a url and then the and then my website is trappedbymusic.com yeah well but thank you for being on the podcast ah thanks for thanks having for me being thank you so flexible much. with like schedules oh so. no worries for more information check out lauriaamc.weebly.com or on our social media on instagram twitter and facebook